We are three weeks away from the 2023 NFL Draft. What's the latest news? What's it going to take to get up to number three with the Arizona Cardinals pick? How much of a drop-off is it after Bijan Robinson? And Fred Perdue from College Football Overdrive is going to join us to talk about the Patriots, talk about the University of Miami, and the rest of the draft. Coming up on the Draft Countdown Podcast. Tonight's edition of the Draft Countdown Podcast. I'm your co-host Brian Bosar, joined as always by my co-host Shane P. Hallam. Shane, 21 days, 22 hours, 58 minutes, and 13 seconds away from the 2023 NFL Draft. We are getting close. We're in April. We're in draft month. It's getting here. Everything's kind of wrapped up. Pro days are, are done. We have a couple of private workouts that have happened or going to happen. And now it's just seeing what these uh, top 30 visits are and Waiting for the day to come. Yeah, it's it's a lot of those visits starting to be publicized. We're starting to kind of get a wrap on, you know, who some of these teams are looking at. And, you know, maybe there's something to it. Maybe there's not. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, but we want to say that if you've got a question that you want answered, and we've got a lot of them tonight, Shane, you can tell we are getting close to the draft. People have questions. <laughs> But uh, send it in on Twitter, at Draft Countdown. Uh, if you're watching live in the chat, drop your question in, in the uh, comments there. We'll uh, answer it at the end of the show. As well, please join our Discord. Go to DraftCountdown.com, top right corner uh, of the search bar there. There's a link to join the Discord. Ask, our, ask a question there. We will gladly answer it at the end of tonight's episode or maybe even in the middle of the episode tonight when we talk to Fred. We actually have a question uh, that pertains to some of the stuff we're going to talk about here. But, Shane, uh, before we get going on the show tonight, there's a uh, some cool stuff we're doing here in conjunction with the good folks over at Toilets to Titles. Uh, we're running a NFL draft mock draft con- contest, uh, one entry per person. Uh, in order to be eligible to win, you must be subscribed to the Draft Countdown YouTube channel, the Toilets to Titles YouTube channel, and you must be a member of the Toilets to Titles Gilded Chat. Uh, and then submit your entry via email to toilets to titles at gmail.com. Uh, for every 10 entrants into the uh, contest, $20 goes to the pot, maximum of $500. The winner takes all. Uh, the scoring is pretty simple. We, you know, borrowed from the huddle report, the gold standard of mock draft scoring. Uh, two points if you correctly match the team to a player, and you get one point if the player 
uh, goes into the first round. So basically three points or one. And uh, if the tie, if there is a tie, the ties are broken by the most matched teams to the players. It's free. So you might as well join and you can win money, you know, subscribing to YouTube channels and hopping into a chat is not hard to do. So, uh, yeah, I was working last night on a nice Google Sheets. It has all the players and teams, and it'll be easy to input. Uh, we'll, we'll get that link out when the time comes. And, I, yeah, I hope a lot of people listening to us will uh, join. And, you know, you could win maybe hundreds of dollars if a lot of people are in this. Just so everybody knows they're not going to lose to Shane. Uh, members of the of draft count uh, titles ineligible to win. I'm putting my entry in. I won't tell I'll take the money, but if I get first, I'll <laughs> brag about it. <laughs> good stuff, good stuff. So I did a Cardinals mock draft uh this uh actually it came out today, as a matter of fact, over at dra- over at draftcountdown.com. And I mocked a trade because I think Arizona's gonna move out. It's just a matter of who and for how much. So I had them trading with the Tennessee Titans. That seems to be a very popular uh, team to move up. I had the Titans trading up to draft Anthony Richardson. I don't think I necessarily – I mean, it it added up on the the new trade chart that everybody uses, but I don't necessarily think that I gave enough to what it would cost to go from 11 to 3. I had Arizona giving up pick 11. Uh, I'm sorry, Tennessee giving up pick 11, pick 41, which is in the second round, and a 2020-2024 second round pick to go up from 11 to 3. I don't, like I said, I don't know if that was enough, but, you know, the the chart said it was okay. Yeah, I I think that second's just got to be a first for 2024. I think that's probably the difference. You know, if you're moving from 11 to 3, I mean, even for a team like Vegas, to move up, it probably got to give at least their second, maybe even a first to move from seven to three, um, you know, which is hard to do. But yeah, I think if you want to move up, the price is expensive. Um, And, you know, and it'll depend how much these teams like that third quarterback ultimately. So you mentioned Vegas as a team They're They're bringing in all the quarterbacks on visits. Uh, top 30 visits, all the top four quarterbacks. Um, I mentioned Tennessee. Is there anybody else that you think could make that big jump up to number three? Yeah, I mean, I, that, then it feels like you start looking at teams that are going to have to make a big jump, right? I mean, I think Washington at 16, they're bringing in some quarterbacks as well. Uh, but, you know, th- that's going to require – a lot of capital so I think to move up to three so I think you start getting out of that realm you know the only other possibilities is a team that oh, maybe we don't expect to take a quarterback uh, that has multiple firsts so the Detroit Seattle have the multiple firsts that I think they got just in case they would need to move up for a quarterback and both got good play from Geno Smith and Jared Goff so maybe they don't have to but, you know, that could be a possibility if one of them says, okay, you know, we, we love Anthony Richardson, we love Will Levis, but they could sit for a year. This is great. You know, let's let's move up. I think those are probably the only realistic possibilities to me. I think a real long shot here, but I'm just going to throw it out there in case it happens. Tampa Bay. Yeah, uh, 19 to 3. That's, that's a long way to go. But, uh, you know, you never know. But – I tell you what I do know. 
is that we got a quality guest tonight. He is the co-host of the College Football Overdrive podcast and a contributor to War Room Sports. I met him a long time ago when I got in this draft business down in Mobile. He was down there with Scott and uh, Shane and Pigskin Paul. He is uh, Fred Purdue, man. Fred, thanks for coming on tonight. Thank you guys for having me on. So like I said, it's been a, been a while since I saw you, man, and uh, it was a good good time. Uh, I, I can't remember who who was the guy that was with y'all that basically made fun of Joe Everett, called him. Well, you're <laughs> look at you, you're not that impressive or something. Do you remember who that was? Oh, the guy that was with me, Hassani Harper. That is my guy. He is a he is a recruiting analyst down here in Florida. He covers all everything high school football. Uh, for H two athletes, that's my guy, man. Every all day, every day. Good stuff. That's been a running joke with me and Joe Everett ever since. <laughs> Hilarious. Oh man, it, that, those those were good times. We, we had, we had, oh yeah, we had it was definitely a good time. I got to get back down there. Yeah, yeah. Look, Brian, Brian, he's 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 got the place. He told me he has a couch, so I, I still oh, have to. Okay, and look, we. Uh, you know, we have some, some fear that the senior bowl might not last forever. So you might got to get down there sooner rather than later. Um, well, Fred, yeah, you, you do the college football overdrive podcast over on, uh, the Debbie marketplace channel, my other podcast. Um, and you and I talk all the time about, mm-hmm. uh, football and the draft. So, um, you know, we, we get in some arguments sometimes about quarterbacks. Yes, we do. We do. So look, I, I really respect your process. I definitely want you know you to kind of talk through your quarterback process and how you evaluate what you really look for in you know addressing the quarterback position, evaluating these college players, and then you know how does it kind of apply to this group? Well, for me, I start out saying the first real question I ask is, what happens pre-snap, post-snap when that picture changes? Can that quarterback? really decipher what he's seeing if he can't if that if you can't tick that box off everything else doesn't matter arm strength we get enamored with it we love it i, I mean we can name guys forever um we all love the guys that can can move around we love those guys but can he tell you can he process information quickly and efficiently that's my number one – it's almost an end-all, be-all because nowadays everybody's an athlete. Everybody's a big guy. Everybody's a uh, – they're, they're great in underwear Olympics, but we all know what happens when that picture changes, when he sees cover two, two – we see two high safeties and then safety drops off, what happens? If we can't – if he can't do that, all the footwork, all the arm angles – yeah, I'm talking to you, Zach Wilson – um, all of that, none of that matters. So with that being said, who are your favorite quarterbacks in this draft class that see everything pre-snap, post-snap, the, the, the thing that you look for first, who, who excels at that in this draft class and who are, who does not, I should say. So I always like, let's get the bad out of the way. And I've heard, I've heard there's a certain somebody that doesn't like this player and I'm going to be a, I I don't like him either. Uh, Anthony Richardson, everyone loves the athleticism, the the size, the speed, the arm talent. 
But when you see, I can point to Florida to the Florida State game. We can stop there. I know that's the end of the season. We've had enough to see. We saw his freshman year. That was great. Okay, we saw, and it wasn't. It really wasn't. But that Florida State game told me everything I needed to know. Um, there was a. They were running bunch. They were running uh, gun bunch to the right side of the field. I'm not sure the receiver, uh, but I do know that Anthony Richardson looked a uh, flag route right in the face and literally just took off. And I'm like, oh, boy. Anthony Richardson is the – for me, I would not touch him in the first three rounds. That's, and, I'm, and I'm very hard on quarterbacks. I'm very, very hard on quarterbacks. He is an ultimate project. He would never touch the field for me for at least two years at least two years. Maybe give him a package here and there, sure. But beyond that, I just don't see enough on film from the mechanics to the eye discipline to the being able to process information. I don't see it from game to game, much less week to, uh, from, from team to team. I just don't see what can you do to convince me. Uh, but on the other end, um, for the good, C.J. Stroud, he's been my guy. Shane, you know this. Uh, C.J. Stroud's been my guy, and you know how much I hate Ohio State. Uh, for my for my college football overdrive listeners, you guys know how much I love. Uh, I love to hate Ohio State, uh, but he has been the guy for the last two years. Uh, he has everything you want. I've gone as far as saying he could be Joe Burrow like. I'm that confident in a guy like C.J. Stroud. He has the size. He has the accuracy. He is pinpoint accurate. Uh, one of the questions we had, we said, uh, he could he move around? Well, we saw that against Georgia. Just because they don't do it doesn't necessarily mean they can't do it. And I, 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 have, a, I have a bit of a, a love-hate relationship with Bryce Young, right? So Bryce Young, this is – so the, the analogy I made, I, I, talk to, I talk a little basketball every now and then. I always said – if for my basketball heads out there, right? If Kyrie Irving was about six five, we'd hate him because he'd be unstoppable. If Bryce Young was about six two, we'd hate him because he'd be virtually unstoppable. The only chink in his armor is that he maybe holds the ball a little long because he's a, he's on the shorter side and he needs to see a clear picture. But if that's the the worst thing in the world, there's this guy named Drew Brees. He, he that's a that's a whole different level of Hall of Fame. But if he can be that type of player where you put him in an offense where he's in the gun the entire time, which he – Bryce Young did it at Alabama. He had a good old line there, and it wasn't great, but it was good enough. Bryce Young could be pretty good, and he's only, what, 5'10". So he sees the, he sees the field like a point guard. He's going to distribute the football – where it needs to go. Does he have the biggest arm? No. Is he the best athlete? No. But when he when the when the chips are down, ask Texas, when the chips are down, what happened? Just saying. It, it's kind of interesting because you know you talked about your process and that that pre-snap, post-snap quick evaluation. We found out yesterday that Bryce Young had the highest score on the S2 cognition test, kind of the new, the new and much improved Wonderland. <laughs> yes. 
It's a lot better. Um, you know, when like Patrick Mahomes was the top scorer in his draft, Joe Burrow was in his draft. So it's been pretty good in a, a small sample size. So it's, it's interesting. Like you said, the size is the issue, but the, you know, the, the head might be there. Um, let, let me switch gears on your Fred. We're going to talk about this a little bit later in the show in more detail, but, um, but I know for, especially for my fantasy folks out there, um, you know, when you look at the NFL draft and the running back position in the NFL now, where where would you take a running back? You know, is the position as devalued as the talk, or is this something that can still be worthwhile if you have an elite prospect like a Saquon Barkley, like a B. John Robinson, to to take them high? So I'm really staunch on running backs. So I don't care, and regardless if you've heard me on War Room sports or any other platform i've always i've said this for years now i don't care if your name is eric dickerson peyton peterson whatever your name is doesn't matter i don't want to touch you within in that first round because of the fact that you're a depreciating asset you're like a car the second you you've already had plenty of damage right we've already you've taken a ton of carries in college now you're taking a ton of carries in the NFL. After about five years or so, you're somewhat – you have maybe two years of good wear and tear left. And then we're talking about mm, – we're talking about maybe maybe an extra year. Maybe I could go find that same guy second round, third round. And then we've talked about this, Shane. You know this like I do. That position is devalued. I can go find guys, go get multiple guys to do the same thing. I don't know if you see the the logo on this hat. We've been doing that for for years over in up in Foxborough. But uh, ha- even having that big time bat like a Derrick Henry, it, it sounds great, but they don't win you anything. I don't disagree with anything you just said there. Me and Shane have this argument a lot. Yeah. Um, there's been a lot of talk. You know, I'll, I'll table that because I want to get to something else. Uh, real quick, real quick, Jonathan Taylor was my guy, by the way. And <laughs> yeah. I touted him from day one at Wisconsin, and I wouldn't touch him in the first round. Just. I had Jonathan Taylor as my number two overall prospect in that class. There you yeah. go. And I still there wouldn't have drafted go. him in the first round either. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And we see why now. He's really good. <laughs> really good, but the Colts are terrible. No, I, I agree. Um, I want to switch gears and let's let's talk a little college football here. And you're a big you're a big guy fan of the U. So I gotta know who's their best prospect this year. Is it Tyreek Stevenson? That's who I think it is, or is it tight end Will Mallory? I don't really think the anybody else is in this conversation. I think it's Tyreek Stevenson. He has that unique blend of size and speed. He can, and he could be a very versatile player. I think you could kick him inside, honestly, um, if it, if it gets that bad, Uh, but he can run with anybody. Uh, I've got a chance to see him in person and he is a long, and granted, he's a George, he's a former Georgia Bulldog. So, you know, if he's, he was good enough to play there, he was definitely good enough to play at Miami. Uh, pretty good lockdown guy. Um, I wouldn't call him the best corner. I think he would, could be a good, really good number two. I don't see him as a number one, but he could be a very solid, solid number two corner in this league. Has all the skills that you need for that type, that 
for that lockdown number two corner position. So t- tell me about Mallory too, because he's interesting. You know, you and I have talked about him for years, like mm-hmm. the athleticism's there, but has dealt with injuries, not been on the field. Like, can, can he be a starting tight end in the NFL? Does he have that kind of upside? Would you take him day two, uh, I mean, round three-ish, or is that too high for, for a player like Mallory? All right, Kane fans, you're going to hate me for this one. Sorry, he's not going round three. More like four or five. Injury history, he soft hands, decent route runner, not the greatest blocker in the world, and we don't care about that as much. But in, in my old school world, if you can't block as a tight end, I don't want you. It's very much like a running back. If you can't block, I don't want – unless your name is like Kyle Pitts or something, I don't want you. So he – I'm sorry, um, Will Mallory has – he, he's kind of the Miami t- uh, tight end one by default. Uh, there's never really been anybody to challenge him, but at the same time, he brings a skill set that is very valuable. He does have soft hands and he runs solid routes, but he's just not the greatest athlete. Well, I mean, he did test like a great athlete, I'll say that, uh, over nine yeah. rats uh, mm-hmm. from the Definitely. combine yeah. this year. So. Test testing wise, it was great, and I remember the Senior Bowl this year. He caught like the ball in four straight plays. It was it yeah, was, yeah. It, was, it was amazing run he had there. Um, last question on Miami here, and I want let's look ahead to a guy before this year. I know where you're we going. thought we're a top ten pick. <laughs> uh, it did not quite work out that way for quarterback Tyler Van Dyke this year, and. Let's be honest, that was one of many contributing factors, I presume, in what got Josh Gaddis run out of there. Uh, new OC in town, is this going to unlock TVD for next year, or are we talking about him as a potential first-rounder this time next year? Uh, I don't think so. I think he's closer to that second, third-round range. Uh, he's a big, bigger quarterback, not a great athlete, and we want the more mobile quarterbacks now. Uh, I think he's more of the point guard type, just not just the the more stationary type. This air raid offense, I think it fits more of the the smaller, uh, more agile quarterback who can get quick reads out. Miami had a lot of issues up front on the offensive line. One guy that wasn't there for him was Zion Nelson, who when you when if you can't protect your quarterback, it doesn't matter at all anyway, right? So. Uh, those two are kind of in tandem there. If, if, if you're not able to keep him upright, it does nothing for you. Uh, I think the receivers don't didn't help either. Uh, I think Tyler is a better deep ball thrower than many give him credit for, but his short to intermediate stuff is where I think the work needs to be put in at. Uh, I think I could see him more of maybe a second to third round pick, and, and that's, that's his ceiling unfortunately with what was going on with Miami, whether it was scheme fit, recruiting guys coming in potentially later, I think a lot of those things got muddled. Uh, And then you have Jake Garcia sitting behind them before he transferred a lot of different factors go into, to him almost leaving. Um, Tyler's a good quarterback, but I think we overrated him going into that whole, into this season. 
I, I, look, I was on that bandwagon, so I was too. It was definitely me. We'll see what happens this year. I still have a little bit, a little bit of faith that he can bounce back. Um, Freddie got the Patriots hat on. Let's talk some Patriots. Uh, Mac Jones trade rumors kind of swirling around. Uh, one you and I have talked about. I want you to tell the people your evaluation of Mac Jones pre-draft and now. And do you think he gets traded? So pre back in, in his Alabama days, I thought Mac Jones was an adequate quarterback, not a nothing special. I never thought he was special. Um, post two years in, I think, and, and I compared him to a Miami, a former Miami Hurricane. Shane, I'm gonna go way back. I'm gonna go way back. Ken Dorsey, very much. Ken Dorsey had a a, a cast of characters way better players around him than that made him look a lot better than what he was. If you go back to Mac Jones, he had four first round receivers, a first round running back, uh, decent O-line, good defense. Heisman trophy winner at wide receiver. Sounds kind of like very similar to what he had at what Ken Dorsey had at Miami. Uh, but the back then we, Ken Dorsey may have not had the, the size, the arm strength, but very similar in what you see on the field. Um, he was able to distribute the football. Seeing what I've seen over the last couple of years, Shane, I'd trade you for Mac for Mac Jones. You want to be oh, you want to come you want to come you don't want to do that. I don't think. But. I mean, like I, I could do this right now. I mean, <laughs> and it's funny because I remember seeing a a Facebook memory of draft night a couple of years ago. Right, I said, Bill. Go draft Lamar Jackson. Go go. And I couldn't believe I I couldn't believe I actually said that. I'm like, as much Shane as you know, you know how I feel about one Lamar Jackson. I actually said this, and then I'm like, oh, hmm, Mac Jones. I could have had that over there, and Bill didn't want it, but he wanted you. And you know, Shane, I wanted Justin Fields. That didn't happen, and he let us know why we should have drafted him. Mac Jones probably should have been a second or third round pick, but. We know how quarterbacks get pushed up. Mac, please, please exit stage left. Please go to Tampa. Go follow the other guy that left too. You can, you can do that. Maybe. Fred, the Patriots are traditionally a very tough team. I know to mock I know. for. I know. So picking fourteen this year. You know, last year Cole Strange, nobody had that. They drafted Logan Mankins at one time in the first round. Nobody mm -hmm. had that. They Nate Solder, you know, we can go on and on here. They've drafted guys that nobody else had going in the first round. So two-part question here is who should they be looking at at pick 14? And what off-the-wall name are we going to be <laughs> slotting in there at 14? All right, so what should they draft? If you're going to – everything hinges on Mac Jones because you don't – if you don't know who your quarterback is, if he's at odds with your head coach, as all reports are, and I think maybe he's not being – I think there's a little bit of tongue-in-cheek here. I think there may be a little, little gamesmanship being done here. But if you're keeping – let's just say we, we're keeping Mac Jones, right? Um, don't get him some help. Please, Kendrick Bourne wasn't the answer. Nelson Aguilar wasn't the answer. Uh, Johnu Smith wasn't the answer. 
Uh, there's a guy at Ohio State named um, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Yeah, um, go get him some help. There was a once a guy that played in the slot named Julian Edelman. I call Jackson Smith and Jigba the six-two version of Julian Edelman. And if if he plays exclusively in the slot, so be it. It works. Go get him some help around him. Go find a deep threat. But for right now, go get him some help uh, at the wide receiver position. The off-the-wall pick. Um, Turner at cornerback from Michigan. Mr. 428. We, I think Bill likes – Bill wants – a corner, but he needs to have some speed to match up with what the Bills are doing, the Dolphins are doing. I don't necessarily agree with it, but we know I've seen Bill do some crazy, crazy things. So what? Let's say you know, let's say JSN's gone at that mm-hmm. pick fourteen. You know, maybe it's first round. Maybe maybe it's later. Maybe it's day two. What? What are some receivers that you think do fit what the Patriots need uh, and want to do with that receiving group? Because it, it definitely needs an upgrade still. Uh, I could see it. I, I like Josh Downs a lot. I like Joshua Downs a lot. I like Zay Flowers a lot. Um, guys that can play in space quick. I, I almost want to say – um, I, in the beginning, I wanted to say uh, Tank Dell, but mm, probably not. But those two, Zay Flowers and Joshua Downs, just because they are the – they run crisp routes. They are very much uh, the water bug types. They are very shifty. And they can get off of – they can they can kind of take the top off. And especially Zay Flowers can take the top off of defense easily. Uh, you have to give Max some explosive weapons. Two more questions. I'm going to let you go, Fred. Um, you're sitting there on day three. Mm-hmm. Who are you pounding the table for? Who is your guy that hasn't Ooh. gone already that you want, maybe not necessarily the Patriots, but a guy you want to see have success because you love him so much as a player? Ooh. That's a good one. That's a really that's a I haven't had that question asked to me in a while. Oh man. Um I don't know if he'll last this long, but there's a there's a QB sleeper that no one's really giving the big names. I know you guys know him, but he no one's giving him any any real publicity. So I'll say it. Jake Hayner, quarterback, Fresno State. He is precision very just he's a he's a surgeon doesn't have a big arm, doesn't have the size or anything like that, but he is the prototypical, I can get you down the field quarterback. See the picture, clear, pre and post snap, and that again, that's the one thing I said. I need that. I don't know if he'll last that long, but I think you might have a run on quarterbacks early and then some other guys slide. Uh, but he's the guy that I think could possibly make that, make that, uh, that journey there. I would take Jake Hayner over Tanner McKee, which is a guy I see slotted up there a lot. Hayner's my number six quarterback. I've got okay. him the first quarterback going on day three, so okay. I'm with you here. But I would take him over Stetson Bennett, Jaron Hall, Max Duggan, mm-hmm. Tanner, Tanner mm-hmm. definitely Tanner McKee, Aiden O'Connell, mm-hmm. some of these other names I've heard bandied about. 
you know, I, I think Hainer, I like for everything you just said, Bailey, like similar to how your backup quarterback Bailey Zappi is, yeah. I, I think he's a very similar guy. He's not going to be a, you know, every game starter, but he's if he's your backup quarterback, you yeah, feel confident yeah. he can win yeah. a couple of games until your guy gets back. Tanner Last McKee, Tanner McKee would have been great back in like 1995, but now in today's world where your quarterback can't be a statue. And he's got tools. He's got definitely has tools. I think Shane said it today on Twitter or maybe in our Discord. I can't remember where it was. But basically Tanner McKee, you know, like you said, no athleticism whatsoever and had two NFL receivers on his team and still stunk up the joint. So. <laughs> All I'm saying. Uh, real quick, Fred, last question. Get, you know, We know about the Caleb Williams, the Marvin Harrisons, but give, give me a player in college. Maybe it's Miami guy, maybe not. Uh, for next year's draft or future draft um, that you're you're super high on, it's going to be a great player. Shane, we talked about this guy a few, probably a couple months ago now. Uh, Ole Miss running back Judkins loved it, loved the production, and I don't like running back. I don't want to take a running back in the first round, but what fourteen hundred yards as a freshman? Ugh, that's hard to go up. And he has the size. He's like what five eleven. 10, 205. So you're able to take the pounding in the SEC. Uh, I love a guy that can can be a high carry guy, but also be an efficient player at the same time. Again, I don't want running backs in the first round, but if you want an exciting player to watch, go watch him. Definitely. I mean, he put Zach Evans on the pine there, a guy we're yes, going to be talking about at some point. Uh three weeks from now, maybe not day two, but definitely day three, Zach Evans is going to go. Fred, man, we appreciate you coming on and chopping it up with us tonight. Uh, tell everybody where they can find all that you do. Definitely. You guys can catch me on Twitter, Fred Purdue CFB. I will, I'm always around talking Canes, talking Pats, talking college football, Shane, every now and then I make a, a jab at you and your Ohio State Buckeyes. Um, you can also find me on the College Football Overdrive podcast with my guy, Rick Brown. Uh, we are actually going to be talking about a little bit more of the – we have spring games coming up, so I'm actually going to be down in South Florida covering that Miami Hurricane game. So uh, definitely stay tuned there. Well, when South Carolina makes a run to the SEC title next year, uh, Fred, just, just, <laughs> just remember your guy here, and I'll come on and talk about it with you. <laughs> Good luck, Spencer <laughs> thanks for Thanks for coming on. Thanks, thanks Fred. Thanks, guys. That was Fred Purdue, co-host of the College Ball Overdrive podcast. Good seeing him again. I haven't, like I said, haven't seen him in a in a few years. Now it's been a, been a, been a while there, Shane, uh, for me. But uh, you 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 chatted up with him quite often. Yeah, look, we we you know we text back and forth. Uh, you know, I, I I know he he knows the stuff in terms of watching players, evaluating, knowing positions. He plays. He coaches. Uh, so. Uh, you know, I, I'm a big fan of Fred and his process. So, uh, it's just nice to hear, especially the, the quarterback, you know, what he um, holds in high regard. And he has a pretty good hit rate for evaluating those QBs. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing he said that I don't think that we've, you know, he put it a bit more eloquently than we, that I have for <laughs> sure about Anthony Richardson and yeah. why he doesn't like him as a prospect, you know, but 
it is what it is. All right. So we got a few other things we want to talk about tonight before we get to our several listener questions later on here. But uh, some news came out this week about Jalen Carter. Uh, this time the news, you know, at least isn't horrible. But uh, he's not uh, – through his agent, Drew Rosenhaus, they basically said that he is not going to take any top 30 visits with a team that is not currently slated to draft in the top 10. So my question to you, Shane, is is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? Better work. <laughs> you better be right. You know, my, my mock draft this week, I had him falling out of the top 10. Um, I think I think it's possible if I was Drew Rosenhaus, I, I take those meetings. Also, you know, teams can trade, right? Uh, and this is a talent that you would hope someone might want to trade for if he starts falling into the bottom end of that top ten. I guess you know, if I was a team and and he refused to visit, I'm not trading up for you now. Okay, like that, that's fine. You know, if you fall to me, so be it. Um, I, I think he's going to be one of the hardest players to mock. Because I think a lot of teams, you know, we've heard maybe it's smoke, maybe not, that the Raiders have them off the board, that they, you know, they, they don't really want to deal with the kind of driving character concerns um, like some other teams. You know, the Bears and Eagles have brought them in a couple times, but the Bears have been a team. Uh, Ryan Poles has definitely been a character first drafter uh, team dynamic. So, you know, and maybe Jalen Carter is a player who, you have the interview with him. He made a mistake. He's 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 a great young man. It definitely could be the case. And there's that character concern isn't there. That's one of the two things that we generally aren't privy to, along with the specific medical information. So th- that's what's going to make Jalen Carter tough. I I would be taking every visit I could. I, it can't hurt you to take those visits. Uh, I, I'm a little surprised by the Rosenhaus decision. Three teams in the top ten that I. I keep coming back to in my head that I think and it, he's going to end up in one of these three spots in my final mark draft, Seattle at five, just because they need the help. And Pete Carroll is, has a ton of experience dealing with some of these character question guys, right? Uh, Detroit at six. I think they have the leadership and locker room to take a talent like Carter and, you know, not let his, him get out of control. And Atlanta at eight is another spot, just maybe not what you would think an immediate need, but you pair him, I think with Grady Jarrett and maybe eventually replace Grady Jarrett, I think is a spot that he could land depending on how some of the other, you know, the top eight before that shakes out. But those are three spots I thought that in that top 10, and you mentioned Philadelphia and Chicago nine and 10 as well. You know, I, I don't think he gets out of the top 10. So I, I don't think this strategy is going to end up uh, failing him. You're, you're probably right. Um, you know, the, this, the mock I did this week, I was trying some different things at Tyree Wilson over Will Anderson just to see how things would shake down, right? You know, I want to get the final one, right? That's really, really the one that I care about. Um, and I, I think I think you're right. Like the, the Seattle, Detroit area feels good. I think the only problem is if someone does trade up to three like we talked about earlier in the show what if quarterback goes top four now you're seattle five like why don't i take will anderson and you're detroit you take tyree wilson and now jalen carter now vegas vegas doesn't want him and now we're in that eight nine ten range so uh, i think there could be that possibility of just 
things falling that hurts him, uh, or he could go fifth overall. I think both are real possibilities. We're, we're, we're past the point of thinking that he goes ahead of Will Anderson, though. I, I mean, I, I would – I'll never say never, especially because they play different positions, but I, I'd be pretty floored if uh, if you take that risk over the guy that both of us have had wire to wire number one in this draft. Don't cave on Thibodeau this thing like, like teams did last year. Um, let's get to our weekly Bijan Robinson segment, or I feel like it's starting to turn into that. Bijan Robinson is the new Anthony Richardson segment on the Draft Countdown podcast. Here, um, been listening to uh, the Locked On um, Scouting podcast there with Joe Marino and Kyle Kraft, one way the Draft Network. I really like those guys, so I wanted to listen uh, to their their new show and. They had a show the other day where they basically went one through 31, every team in the first round, and said, would B. John Robinson be in play here? And they essentially came up with like eight to ten teams that they could see it happening. So I want to narrow that down to three here, Shane. And I want you to, not necessarily from a fantasy point of view, but from a team fit you know, get the most success out of t- – if you're going to take a running back in the first round, let's at least make it a successful journey here. Let's do Adrian Peterson, not, you know, some of the other ones. Where are the three best fits for B. John Robinson? Uh, so, I, I, think, I think there's a lot. Like, I think the easy answer to me is boom, 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 8, 9, 10. Like, I think Atlanta – is an ideal spot where they have a run first offense. He can play. He could be Derrick Henry, right? In the Arthur Smith offense, you have a young quarterback you're trying to develop. I mean, that seems like a good, a good spot for him to not only be productive, but for that, that offense to move forward. You know, I think Chicago at nine um, is intriguing because they have Justin Fields. They're a run first team. I mean, they, they ran so much, a lot of times with fields last season, I think it takes some of that run pressure off of him, but you don't have to become the air raid throw it everywhere offense that they probably don't want to be. So I think that balances that offense well. And I think Philly's kind of the other end where you have a really good team. Uh, Once again, have a running quarterback. It's going to open some lanes in the run game. And Bijan gives you just a, a dynamic element to the offense that they didn't have. I think, that one's maybe a, the third on my list because of how they utilize the running back. You know, they really don't utilize that RB1 in Miles Sanders like they did, but they, they brought him in for a visit. Um, I, I think it's a strong possibility. Maybe they move down from 10 and take him. And then I think it allows, how, how do you stop that Eagles offense with that offensive line? You know, so I think that could be how Roseman saying, all right, I'm going to go away from my philosophy here because this makes us maybe unstoppable. If, if you have a running back like this. Um, so I think the fit could be better than it maybe looks on paper uh, for the Eagles. Another thing they talked about was the further he falls in the first round, which is a possibility because of the positional value, um, the better off it ends up being from a contract perspective was, was one of their things. Because basically if he starts going like, like 8, 17, 18, his contract throughout the length of the deal basically ends up being like the 20th or 
fifth highest paid running back contract in the NFL right now. So it just becomes incredible value, you know, from that perspective. And for all of the mocking of you that I did when you had the Bijan Robinson going to the Bengals uh, a few weeks in one of your mocks, uh, maybe a month or so ago, I'll be damned if that has not been the talk of Bengals podcasting <laughs> here this last week about the possibility of putting Bijan Robinson in the Bengals offense. Well, it's a similar thing with Philly, right? As as good Joe, I think Joe Mixon's a good running back. I, I do, um, but as good as he is, I mean, if you upgrade that position, and I, you know, how do you stop that offense? Like, what do you do? I think it's just so difficult then to stop the offense when you have an elite running back. And I think if you're a team like the Bengals, where your, your window is, hey, we'd like to get the Super Bowl you know, this year before you got to pay Joe Burrow or any year or two before you kind of have to take that money and run draft, draft the running back, right. Instead of paying one. Um, I, I don't think it's, it's a bad thing. So uh, yeah, I, he hit him. He's going to be a tough, a tough block. Like I probably, I probably gonna put him with Philly only because they get two shots. Like, I feel like that, that, you know, they, they he can fall to 30. And I think they scoop them up or they can move down from 10 and draft them in the middle of the first round. Uh, so that's probably where he ends up with my final mock draft, just because you got the two shots to kind of get it. I like it. Uh, Detroit's another team at, at 18, I, I think uh, is. Yeah. They paid Montgomery a decent amount. You know, it's the only thing that holds me back is like, you know, I don't, I don't think they're going to pay Montgomery not to use him. So now you have three running backs because you still got DeAndre Swift there. Uh, if they had Simon Montgomery, I mean, I would have slam dunked, I think, Bichon to Detroit somewhere. That's fair. All right. So, so let's say you're a team that's considering drafting Bijan Robinson, but you don't get him. Or you don't want to, like we said, you don't want to spend a first-round pick on a running back. What is the fall off to RB2 after Bijan Robinson? And are you really losing that much if, like, you don't draft him and you get the second or third or fourth best running back in this class? Are you really going to lose that? Is it going to kill you if you don't? It's a good question. I I definitely think Bijan's an elite player. I think the fall off, fall off is pretty big and you know if we go to our rb2 kind of the consensus rb2 in this class being jameer gibbs out of alabama you know his as a running back it's under 200 pounds i think that is electric that can be a lead back um catches the ball really well but like you know he's not a, a three down Bijan. this isn't Bijan robinson so now i think if you're okay we want to be john we didn't get him we're looking around two round three you got zach charbonnet out of ucla um Roshan Johnson, right? Bijan's backup, uh, Kendra Miller at TCU. Like those are the running backs that you're going to. And I don't think you feel as confident that they are going to be, you know, these stud starting running backs. Uh, I personally like Charbonnet. I like Roshan. Like I think they can, but um, I think that's, that's the problem here is the next best, the Jameer Gibbs, the Devin, a chain, the Tajay Spears, you know, these guys are smaller and, that's what a lot of running backs in this class are. 
you know, I, I think the next best like comparable running back in size to Bijan is Charbonnet, but he is not near the speed, the breakaway speed that Bijan would have. So I, it's it's very interesting. Like I said, I love I, I like Jameer Gibbs. I love Tajay Spears. I like Devin and Chain. It's, it's it's interesting, you know, if you don't, you know, take Bijan, what what the fallout is. Um, I didn't talk about this with you before the show, but it's popped in my head, and I just kind of want to bring it up here. What's more important for the Steelers? Well, let's say they're looking offensive tackle in the first round, and, and they very well could be corner offensive tackle. Who is are you looking to replace? And I bring this up because I think we have a strict set of players here, like with the the, the offensive tackles consistently mocked in the first round. We're looking at Paris Johnson and Anton Harrison as left tackles, right? But we're looking at Dewan Jones and uh Darnell Wright. Darnell Wright as basically right tackle only. So if you're the Steelers, does that matter to you? Or do you think you can make that swap swap around either way? It's a good question because I would have said, if you would have asked me uh, two months ago, I would have said, oh, it's left tackle, right? They're going to look at left tackles. And I think they are. I mean, I think if a Paris Johnson or Broderick Jones is sitting there, I, I think they probably draft them at 17. I, I don't think that's maybe realistic. Um but I do think the Steelers have some flexibility with the guys in place. Like Dan Moore, uh, prospect a couple years ago out of Texas A&M, played left tackle last year. He was okay. Uh, a nice swing backup can play either side. you know. But Chuk's a uh, core four on the right side, and now has been there for a while. I think he could play left tackle. He has played left tackle for the Steelers before. So I think they have some flexibility on the line. I think the idea would be left tackle. Somebody could plug and play right in that left tackle spot and let a core four stay. Um, but there's definitely been some talk in the past two years of him moving to the left tackle position. So if they drafted Dewan Jones, who they seem pretty interested in, uh, you know, maybe a 32, maybe later in the second round, then I think that would be, that would be the swap. That's fair. I, I just, I, at this point I start thinking it's like, cause I, like I said, I had to always bring it back to the Bengals, but that's really the only NFL team I follow religiously i guess and it's all the talk of moving jonah well jonah williams can just play the right side well it ain't that easy this ain't no, mad hard you yeah know? right right <laughs> it's like somebody somebody used a metaphor for it. it's like you go to the bathroom and you always use your right hand but you can't use your right hand so you have to use your left hand it's not going to be that easy of a task anymore is it you know, same same thing applies with swapping from the left side to the right side as an offensive tackle. It's it's a it's a difference. Um, but you mentioned Dewan Jones. I don't know if he's visited the Steelers. He is set up for a top thirty visit with the Bengals. Um, how important? And we talked about with the quarterbacks earlier. And the Raiders are basically bringing in all the top quarterbacks on top thirty visits. How important are top thirty visits for these teams? And and for us, how important are they for trying to line up these mock drafts? It's important. And 
I, I hate the top 30 moniker because you're not bringing in your top 30 players on your board. I think sometimes laymen see that and are like, oh, okay. You know, well, that's the only ones that anybody that, that get reported. You're not, you're well, not reporting. Look, look, the Steelers brought in Tanner Engel. I don't think he's in their top 30, you know. But you didn't see that on Twitter. You saw that from the, the deep dives. The, the 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 normal fans only hearing that the Steelers brought in Paris Johnson or whatever. They're not hearing about Tanner Engel coming in for a visit. <laughs> look, look, I think fans of the team are, are, are Googling the list, right? I mean, they're looking at the list. If someone's keeping the list, and that's what you're looking at. I mean, that's what I'm looking at. Um, so I think it is important. I think different teams use it for different things. There was a study – a couple years back. It's one of those things I would love to do if I had the time to really go back and look at these and, and, you know, what teams drafted uh, players out of their top, you know, know, 30 visits and um, some of the ones that have stuck around in terms of brass, the Steelers were at like 46%. The Cowboys are pretty high. Um, Even the teams that didn't like the saints, we always talk about, they they never, they've never drafted um, their top 30 visit with the current brass of the saints. But, th- but they've signed a bunch of undrafted free agents that they brought in for visits, right? So I-, I think it's important to get a look at this. I think there are some teams, the Patriots, who Bill Belichick likes to evaluate the players and-, and not draft them and have other people draft them. And then when he plays them, he has more insight into those players. So he brought in like Anthony Richardson this year. I mean, I, mean, I don't know, maybe they do draft them after uh, talking to Fred about Mac Jones. But, uh, you know, it's so when you play them in, in two years – you know a little bit more about how he works and what his strengths and weaknesses are, right? So I think teams can do that too. Um, I think I think for mock drafters, if you're not looking at it, then you're you're behind the eight ball. I mean, I feel like it's how I've been consistent. Is literally my final mock draft. The first thing I do is go to the visits, see the teams that usually draft from those visits, um, and even the ones that don't. And I'm like, oh, this fits. I plug that player in first before I, I don't go in order in that final mock draft. I mean, I'm plugging players to spots in that first round that I think there's a good chance they draft this player. You know, I think that's that's the way to do it because a lot of teams, you know, the more time you spend with a player, the more you're going to get to know them, the more you're going to like them. Uh, that's just the psychology of the thing. Uh, I think it, it means a ton. It's definitely something I need to look at more, I think. You know, maybe, maybe I don't realize how important it is. Another thing as an addendum to this, uh, teams are also granted what they call uh, local pro days. And if I'm correct me if I'm wrong here, Shane, but it's any school within 75 miles, basically what the old TV blackout range would be 75 miles from your uh, facility so, like, the Bengals can bring in players from U- U- University of Cincinnati, from uh, Louisville. You know, all those players count as their local. New Orleans can bring in LSU players, two-lane players, you know, th- those types. Atlanta gets Georgia, Georgia Tech. You know, some teams have actually a built-in advantage, I, I think, because of that, just because of the, the amount of players they can bring in. Jacksonville would get, I think, Florida State, Florida maybe. I'm not sure exactly how that works, but like your Steelers, they'll get Pitt. Uh, do they get Penn State players in that? Just no. yeah. maybe Pitt, West, West Virginia. Virginia. Yep, Pitt, West yeah. Virginia. Okay, so also something to look at as well. So if you're wondering why they haven't brought in like like New England, like they don't have to bring in Zay Flowers on a 
top 30 visit because he's going to fall into their uh, local pro day. Right. And I think the other thing to use those visits for is if you want to look at the late round guys, if you see a guy that's getting 20 visits, he's probably getting drafted in the sixth, seventh mm-hmm. round. Like even if you know what like that's how I do my final rounds. I'm like, okay, who, uh, this guy's 20 visits. Uh, let's plug him. He's in going somewhere. somewhere. He's, He's going, going somewhere, somewhere, you know, and, and, and then everyone will be like, ah, I've never heard of that guy. I was like, well, you, you know, you, you should have. The NFL heard. did. <laughs> visited your team, you know. Yeah, that's that's also, that's very fair as well. Um, Shane, we asked for questions today. We've got a lot of questions uh, to get to. Uh, let's. I always like to start when we get them in the Discord. I like to start there because everybody should join the Discord and uh, get those questions in. So Sam, who's a frequent question asker here uh, in the Discord, said, this is a niche question for you. Um, rumor from within Detroit is that the team won't take a tight end high because they're convinced they got a steal in James Mitchell. But every big board from last year ranked him on day three. How much of that was injury and how much was the player? I I, I like James Mitchell. Um you know, as a prospect, he, he was someone that was on my radar pretty early in his college career. I'm like, okay, this is an NFL player. But I think the injury is what knocked him into day three. I don't think he would have been a first-round pick uh, at Virginia. But at Virginia Tech, you know, he was productive, flashy athleticism, you know, had – he was kind of a receiver as a tight end. I think he would have went round three. So, you know, had he gone round three, then maybe we're not talking about tight end as much for the Lions. I think it is something to consider why they might uh, – I don't think they take one in the first round. They keep getting mocked one. I just don't think that happens. Uh, we talked to Jeff Risden uh, a couple weeks back, and he, you know he mentioned the same thing. So I think I think Mitchell is it could be the starter and work within this offense that doesn't use the tight end as much. Jeff did mention you know while we're talking about Detroit, two players not to mock to them: Kalijah Kansi, Keely Ringo. Don't do it. There you go. Uh, Marist Mitty 21 in the Discord asks, if the Jets keep one of their second-round picks, should they go with the offensive tackle in the first round and then come back with a center in the second round? I, I'd love it. I think that would be a great Jets draft. We know they're going to trade for Aaron Rodgers at some point. Uh you gotta you gotta protect him. You gotta block for Brees Hall. I think that's the last thing this offense needs. I, I would love to see them take a Paris Johnson and then follow it up with a you know John Michael Schmitz um, with you know you know with with one of these centers that are popping up the board. I think even around three they could probably take a center that they could draft uh, that they could start you know, if they draft them in, in round three. Um, but they're definitely looking hard at some of the center positions. Joe Titman from Wisconsin has been a player they've looked at too. So I'd love it. All offensive line, make it happen. If you're the Jets in the second round, don't overthink that just because they maybe they haven't played center that they can't play center. And I'm looking at Steve Avila from TCU, uh, Cody Mock, North Dakota State, two guys that probably going to go in that range. Guys that can play center, I think, in the NFL. So something to uh, monitor there. Let's go on over to Twitter where some guy named Scott Wright, at Scott Wright MN, says, explain to me like 
I'm an infant while Michael Mayer, the best player tight end you has ever produced. And I think uh, Fred was throwing some shade at him there. Uh, <laughs> How is Michael Mayer not a lock for tight end one in the top 15 overall? Scott will hang up and listen. <laughs> I, I mean, look, had we come into this year and you said Michael Mayer is not going to be a top 20 pick, I'd have been like, what? That doesn't make much sense. His career's been so good. I think this tight end class, like we talked about with running back, I think it's what hurts is I don't need to take Michael Mayer at 15, right? I could take Tucker Craft or Sam Laporta or Luke Musgrave in round two, round three. I'm good. I don't need him. I think that is what's knocking the value uh, of him. I, I also think, you know, he's not an elite athlete. There's so many elite athletes at the tight end position in this class. Michael Mayer is a very good athlete. And I think in a lot of classes, that's what he'd be. But he's 249 pounds. You know, he, he didn't he tested fine in, in the vert and the broad and the shuttle and the three cone, but it's not, you know, it's not big, big green Raz numbers here. I think it's tough to take a tight end in the top 15 that doesn't have that anymore. I just think we're gonna overthink this guy. I not think we are too. He's gonna be great. I, I same way we overthought Mark Andrews a couple of seasons ago. Couple of years ago, same same thing. I think let's not overthink this deal. Uh, he can block, he can catch, he creates separation despite being not a overwhelmingly great athlete. He creates on separate. I, I, I don't smart. know. Yeah, he's a very smart player. I, he is tight in one on my board, so I'm I'm with Scott here. I don't know. Uh, at RW Frank's fifteen, a couple of questions from him here. Uh, what are our thoughts on the three Shepherd guys, Tyson Bajant, uh, Joey Fisher, the interior offensive, or offensive lineman, could be tackle guard, and uh, their running back, Ronnie Brown? I, I've been disappointed by Tyson Bajant through this process. I was super high on him before the Senior Bowl. I, I thought the Senior Bowl film was below average, was putting it nicely. <laughs> so it was pretty bad. I was like, well, he, he's probably out, I think, of getting drafted. Maybe, you know, round six or seven, anything can happen. Uh, so I think Joey Fisher might be the first Shepherd player drafted. He he just had a, a, a killer pro day um, with you know uh, was super athletic. Um, I think he's gonna end, he ended up in like ninety six percentile something like that. You know, crazy athlete probably kicks into the interior. Um, I think he's gonna go day three, and I think Ronnie Brown is very sneaky as well. I know not a lot of people have talked about him, the running back for that team. But when you know when it wasn't Badgett, it was it was Brown. He tested as a ninety-one percent athlete, two hundred thirty-three pounds. He ran a four-four-eight. Uh, I mean, he is he is fast and big, and he's tough. Um, so I think seventh round, like take a shot on a Division two running back. I think it could happen. Shepard could have three guys, all three drafted. It could that'd be kind of wild. Would that be a first for a D two school? I don't. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not going to look this up. But <laughs> you got to look that. Up. Look, Brian. I know what your week. Hey, gonna hey, be. Brian Lamb. If you're watching the show tonight, <laughs> research that. Has the D two team ever had three players drafted in more draft class? Uh, I, I Ronnie Brown at the NFLPA game. I, when I was watching that game tape, I thought, man, this guy's got a burst. And they had him returning kicks as well. I think that you know his special teams he could add special teams value early in and that that if he gets drafted that's what's going to get him there but I think he's probably going to end up in that PFA range um Joey Fisher I'm with you uh anxious to see I don't have their final official raz in yet as their pro day wasn't until last week 
So I don't think that's officially in on our on the big sheet yet, Shane. Uh, Ryan also asked, how many running backs do you expect to be drafted in the first three rounds? We've talked about running backs a lot tonight. Um, I, I feel like it's the number I'm gonna I'm gonna settle on is eight. I think you you team to win higher. I think eight's probably what I should say. <laughs> I think that's probably more accurate. I think you're probably right, but I, I uh, I'll go nine. But I I, I think ten's a possibility if someone you know swings round three for a Sean Tucker for an Izzy Banaconda for Chase Brown, you know, one of those kind of guys. Tank Bigsby's another one I think could could yeah, swing. I, I, I think he gets in. I mean, I think he gets in I, somewhere. I've got him lower. I mean, I've actually got I've I've moved up a Batacanda uh, up to eight RB eight on my board. I'm, uh, oh, wow, nice. Yeah, he's uh he's he's on the move. Yeah, so nine for Shane, eight for me. Uh, good buddy Nino got a couple of questions for us. Uh, we we he asked one about Mac Jones. We kind of talked about him earlier. He wants to know what are our thoughts on Trey Tomlinson, the cornerback from TCU, and. Lance Boykin, the corner from Coastal Carolina. I, I mean, Travis Hodges Tomlinson of TCU is such a tough evaluation because he's such a good player. He's a slot corner. He's tough, but, you know, he's, he's what, 5'8, 178 pounds, and that's probably maxing it a little bit. He's fast, so I think he gets drafted, but uh, a good playmaker. But, but like I can't put him against C.D. Lamb in the slot. Like it, it just isn't. He isn't gonna. Have, he's gonna get pushed around. He's not a very physical nickel when he's facing bigger receivers or more athletic receivers. So I have him as a day three pick. He's corner thirty for me. And then Boykin, I have a corner thirty four. Uh, I think has less of that explosive ability, but he's kind of taller, leaner, um, has a little bit of that burst off the snap. I really like his back pedal. Um, I think he makes a lot of kind of mental mistakes, uh, technique mistakes, footwork mistakes, just a lot to clean up with him. So I, I think it's going to be more of a kind of developmental day three pick potentially. I think ball skills and coverage ability gets Trey Tomlinson drafted in the fourth round. I, I, his size, I think, keeps him out of the first two days. I think if he was 5'10", 180, oh. I think he's he's – he might have even argued into the first. Uh, I mean, yeah. But at five seven one seventy five, no, that 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 you're not selling me on that in the first two days. Uh, Lance Boykin, uh, great size, but four seven two, that ain't getting drafted, Big Chief. Yeah, right. I, I guess that's fair. The four seven two is not not good, not good. Um, and here's a Debbie question for maybe not a Debbie question, but a question for the twenty twenty four. Uh, NFL draft is Notre Dame offensive tackle is I assume he's from Notre Dame here Joe Alt that's right I got did I get that right you did because really? I haven't watched him yet so Joe Alt Notre Dame offensive tackle is he better than any offensive lineman in this year's draft I I think I, I think he will be like I think he is but you know having another year things can go wrong so I think I would take if you're like okay you can take right now Broderick Jones, Paris Johnson, or, or you know Joe Alt who's going to be better 
in a year. I mean, I'll still take Broderick Jones and Paris Johnson. I just we know what they are. They're going to be top twenty picks. I think Joe Alt has that potential to be a top five pick. Um, he's one of the best linemen I saw this year. I think him and Olufashanu from Penn State both could be top ten guys um, when we get to next year's class. So I'm in on Joe Alt. Uh, Pro Football Focus has graded him highly from day one. Uh, I think he's played that way for Notre Dame. He does everything really well. He's big. He's athletic. He's tough. I mean, he's such a good left tackle, but things can always fall apart. So you never know in this final year, but I'm in right now. I'm not unconvinced that Fashanu wouldn't have been OT1 in this draft. Uh, I think it's very possible. Yeah. Uh, Last question from at the Professor SD. Who should teams avoid like to play in this year's draft, but seem to be super drawn to? I'll give you one. I think my Steelers might draft, and that's Keely Rango, the corner from Georgia. It's a Terrell Edmonds all over again, is it? <laughs> not, not hopefully not quite that bad, but it might be. Uh, you know, uh, it might be Artie Burns all over again. We could do that. Oh. Uh, so, but uh, I, I mean, just watching Ringo get uh, kind of lit up. Um, late in the season is just scary for me. Uh, obviously, he has the size and the speed and the athleticism, uh, but I think for a corner, that only gets you so far. You know, you have to be able to read routes and react and mirror what a receiver is doing. And I don't think he Ringo does that, has ever done that. He's relying on the physical tools too much. And to me, that, that's a big red flag. You know, someone like Sauce Gardner had physical tools. He always knew exactly what the receiver was going to do, right? And that's how he covered them so well. I, I don't think Ringo does that. So I, I'm scared if he's there at 32, the Steelers draft him. Um, but I, I'd stay away. I was listening to Risden's podcast when he was talking about the two players that stopped mocking to Detroit, and Ringo was one of them. He said Dan Campbell and them speak a lot of M.A.'s in their press conference with missed assignments. He said, whenever you watch Keely Ringo on tape, he is consistently missing assignments. Like you look up and where, where was he? Why was, why was he not anywhere near the play uh, when it, that seemed, so it's like, that's why he's out on Ringo. And it's kind of some of what you said Uh, to me, it's Levis and Richardson. They're the, the players that teams are super drawn to because of the big arm and with Richardson, because he's a freak athlete. These are, these are quarterbacks that are going to get teams going to get management and coaches fired. And I know we're, we're already pretty long, so I won't get into it, but I, I did have a good conversation on Twitter with Matt Shaw from uh, draft sharks about, you know, could we once again be in this process of over hyping these quarterbacks like last year, that maybe Levis and Richardson aren't very good. And may, you know, maybe NFL teams know it. And now we're seeing Hedden Hooker in the first round, who, you know, probably isn't going to go in the first round, but we got to put quarter more quarterbacks there. Like, like draft night could come and we might not see a quarter, another quarterback go in the top 10 outside of Stroud and Young. And we're like, oh, yeah, that's what it should have been the whole time. Right. You know, uh, so I, I, I'm with you because I, I do kind of wonder are we the ones hyping those two more than the NFL? We'll see. I mean, we were doing it last year. Yeah, well, yeah. With with with, uh, my, my with Desmond Ritter, time. with Malik Willis, and uh, maybe not as much Sam Howell, but you know, it was uh, Matt Corral. Matt yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean that's that's 
But here's the, the the it all comes back to this. If you looked at every NFL team right now, Shane, how many would how many teams do you think would are comfortable with the quarterback they have and thinking that they can win a Super Bowl with the quarterback that they have? I think you're right, but I think we would have said that about Geno Smith in Seattle last year, Jared Goff in Detroit last year. You know, so I, th- I think Atlanta is good with Desmond. I don't think Atlanta is even going to look at these. Uh, they're going to look at the quarterbacks. I don't think they're going to consider drafting one. I think they're fine with Desmond Ritter. I-, I think a lot more teams might be comfortable with what they have. Washington might be comfortable with Sam Howell. Um, but I think you're right. I think, you know, your team like Tennessee, Indianapolis, like you probably got to make this move at some point. It would make sense this year. So I- I- I'm torn. I'm torn on it. Last year I only had two quarterbacks in my first round. I got torn by some people for that. Um, and that was too many. <laughs> yeah, it was one too many. Yeah. I mean, there it is. Uh, before we get to our final thoughts, I just want to remind everybody um, of the mock draft contest. Uh, we're going to post something. Uh, we'll, we'll have a, a thing. Up. We'll pin it at the top of the website. I think that's a thing we can do, right? Yeah. That feels like a thing we can do. Uh, so go to draftcountdown.com. Next day or so, we'll, we'll have it figured out. So to give you all the instructions on what you need to do to enter the joint mock draft contest with toilets to titles and draft countdown. Five uh, Potential $500 grand prize. All you have to do is be subscribed to our YouTube channel, subscribe to the toilets to titles YouTube channel, and be a member of the T2T uh, Gilded Chat and to be eligible to win. It's going to be good stuff. Like I said, could be up to a $500 uh, grand prize to the winner of the mock draft contest and it's free to enter all you got to do is hit a little button nobody pays attention to the youtube channels they subscribe to outside of me anyway so it, it's fine you'll you'll love it when the contest uh shane you just had a seven round mock draft drop this week uh you have one more before the final this monday i was informed today i asked hey man can you do a three round mock draft Brad Menendez says, you know what? I'm dropping seven. Seven. Full seven. Seven. Yeah. Full seven. Brad's going to drop full seven on Monday. And, Shane, there is a rumor that the man who once said he would never do a seven-round mock draft, I may be dropping a seven-round mock draft on draft day, draft morning, Ooh. and draft countdown. We may see Brian Bosard. I'm not going to fully commit. I'm 95% committed here. I may get three rounds into this thing. You, like, you, you, you might want to knock, knock down I'm that done. percentage a little bit. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, I'm done. Uh, but we got that to look forward to. And next week on the podcast, Shane, me and you are going to go back. We're going to go back and forth. We're going to do a live mock draft next week on the show, just me and you. But we're going to draft it as if we were drafting, not what we think the teams will do, but what me and Shane would do as general managers for NFL teams. So that should be fun because I can tell you on some of these player evals, me and Shane are, we are different. We are, we are different. And you know what? Us is, put the GM hat on. We, we know what each other likes. So we might be able to let some guys fall. It's going it's to be fun. It's going to be fun to yeah. uh, do it that way. I, I look forward to that as well. I think Shane, I'll let you go odd numbers and I'll probably go evens uh, next week just so you can draft for the Steelers and I can draft for the Bengals. And then we may end up doubling up on some picks, you know, like you draft one for the Eagles. I draft, it, it doesn't really matter. Um, 
but we'll co-GM for some for some teams next week as well. So it's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to that uh, on the show. So that's going to do it for tonight. If you're following along in the channel and you haven't uh, before, subscribe to that channel, and that way you can be eligible to enter the mock draft contest. Like the videos, share them out. Uh, if you listen to the audio version of this podcast, be it on Apple, be it on Spotify, be it wherever, uh, give us a five-star review. Share that out as well. Uh, audio numbers are through the roof, Shane. I love it. Uh, follow me on Twitter, at Deep Fried Draft. Follow Shane on Twitter, at Shane P. Hong. Follow Draft Countdown on Twitter, at Draft Countdown. And go to DraftCountdown.com for your daily draft needs. That's going to do it. Good night, everybody.